similar charger. Now he thought about it, and, oh, the number of times he'd had cause to use that phrase or one of its cousins at the start of some explanation in the aftermath of yet another embarrassment, Furbin wondered at the wisdom of riding onto an exposed ridge with two such conspicuous beasts. He had wanted to say this, but then decided he didn't know enough about the procedures to be followed in such matters actually to speak his mind, and anyway he hadn't wanted to sound like a coward. Perhaps Major General or General Major Yilim had felt insulted that he'd been left out of the front-line forces and asked instead to look after Furbin, keeping him close enough to the action so that he'd later be able to claim that he'd been there at the battle, but not so close that he risked actually getting involved with any fighting. Shubris Hulse, his servant, had been to his left on the ridge, digging into a saddlebag and muttering about requiring some fresh supplies from the nearest village behind them. Major, or General, Yilim, had been on his right, holding forth about the coming campaign on the next level down, taking the fight to their enemies in their own domain. Furbin had ignored his servant and turned to Yilim out of politeness. Then, mid-word, with a sort of tearing rush of sound, the elderly officer, portly, a little flushed of face, and inclined to wheeze when laughing, was gone. Just gone. His legs and lower torso still sat in the saddle, but the rest of him was all ripped about and scattered. Half of him seemed to have thrown itself over Furbin, covering him in blood and greasily unknowable bits of body parts. Furbin had stared at the remains still sitting in the saddle as he wiped some of the gore off his face, gagging with the stink and the warm, steaming feel of it. His lunch had left his belly and mouth like something was pursuing it. He'd coughed, then wiped his face with a gore-slicked hand. Fucking hell! he heard Shubris Hulse say, voice breaking. Sir! one of the junior officers shouted at him, suddenly in front of him, pulling his own mount round. Ride! Away from here! He was still wiping blood from his face. He'd filled his breeches, he realised. He whipped his mount and followed the younger man, until the young officer and his mount disappeared in a sudden thick spray of dark earth. The air seemed to be full of screeches and fire, deafening, blinding. Furbin heard himself whimper. He pressed himself against his mount, wrapping his arms round its neck and closing his eyes, letting the pounding animal find its own way over and around whatever obstacles were in its path, not daring to raise his head and look where they were going. The jarring, rattling, terrifying ride had seemed to last forever. He heard himself whimpering again. The panting, heaving Mercicor slowed eventually. Furbin opened his eyes to see they were on a dark, wooded track by the side of a small river. Booms and flashes came from every side, but sounded a little further away than they had. Something burned further up the stream, as though overhanging trees were on fire. A tall building, half-ruined, loomed in the late afternoon light, as the labouring, panting mount slowed still further. He pulled it to a stop outside the place and dismounted. He'd let go of the reins. The animal startled at another loud explosion, then went wailing off down the track at a canter. He might have given chase if his pants hadn't been full of his own excrement. Instead, he waddled into the building through a door wedged open by sagging hinges, looking for water and somewhere to clean himself. His servant would have known just what to do. Shubris Hulse would have cleaned him up as quick as you like, with much muttering and many grumblings, but efficiently and without a sly sneer. 
And now, Furban realized, he was unarmed. The Mercico had made off with his rifle and ceremonial sword, plus the pistol he'd been given by his father, and which he had sworn would never leave his side while the war was waged, was no longer in its holster. The battle raged on beyond the dark, abandoned building as the light of Pentril faded from the sky. He found that he could not stop shaking. He still smelled of blood and shit. It was unthinkable that anyone should find him like this. And the noise! He'd been told the battle would be quick and they would win easily. But it was still going on. Maybe they were losing. If they were, it might be better that he hid. If his father had been killed in the fighting, he would, he supposed, be the new king. That was too great a responsibility. He couldn't risk showing himself until he knew they had won. He found a place on the floor above to lie down and tried to sleep, but could not.